as we come to the passage that we're looking at today, a lot of people don't like it. It's uh, one that they're concerned about and they don't want to be a part of it. And so I was kind of thinking about just skipping it because, uh, you know, most of us Christians, and especially those without Christ, do that with the Word of God. We pick out the parts we like and leave out the parts we don't like, and we obey the ones that go along with the things that we want to do and things we don't want to do. We just throw them out and act like they're not even there and being a part of that. And I thought, well, since that's what we do every day in our lives and that's the way we practice our living, why not just do that in preaching? Just, just preach the parts that I like and not do the parts that might be a little bit difficult. But you know as well as I do, the Word of God is His Word. And it's true all the time whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. It's always the truth. And so we come to a passage this morning that, that we deal with it, that I think most of the time most of us have a great misunderstanding of the reality and the truth of what it teaches and what's a part of this. And it's, it goes around partly, not as much as we like to make it so, but it, it moves around the concept of a word called submission. And none of us like that. Nobody wants to be submitted to somebody else. We all want to be our own boss. We want to be in charge of everything we do and everything we are. And we don't want anyone else to tell us what to do or how to do it or when to do it or anything else. We want to be in charge. And that includes God. We don't want God telling us what to do. We want to be in charge of our lives and being a part of that. But the scripture gives us something that we, we really need to grasp hold of, especially as a family of God, in, in understanding that the family is one of God's greatest witnesses to a lost world. The family is the means by which God illustrates His love for us and what He has done in us through Jesus Christ and being a part of that. It becomes a witness to the world around us. A missionary wrote a letter home and he said to the folks he was writing to, oh, I wish that we could have some Christian families that would choose to move where we are, not so much to be missionaries or to carry out special ministries or anything else in their life while they're here, but just to live before our people so that they could see what a home, what a Christian home, what God really wants to do in lives. It would make all the difference in the world in our country if they could see Christian homes and be a part of that as we look at it. Charles Spurgeon once said that if we allowed our homes to be controlled by the Word of God, if we lived the way God said to live and be a part of that as we would look at it, we could ask angels to come and visit us and they'd be right at home. They'd feel comfortable where they were if we truly lived by the Word of God. So I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. It's a little bit long, beginning in verse 21 of, of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. We looked at verse 21 a moment last time, but it really, you'll remember that the divisions in the Bible, the verse verse numbers and the little titles they put in this, they divide up the scripture and everything like that, were not in the original. They're not what God necessarily inspired. Man has come along and divided scripture up and put verses on it and put, the, you know, this section looks like it's talking about this, so they put a title on it, things like that. And so sometimes the divisions that we have don't really fit exactly the way they should. And there really isn't a division between verse 21 and the rest of the chapter as we look at that, and so you'll keep that in mind. We're going to begin reading verse 21 and then through verse 33 as we have that opportunity. So I invite you to stand with me as we honor God's Word by reading and understanding what it has to say to us at this time as we look at it and see. So the Bible says, as we see, first of all, in verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also 
is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, it's sometimes really hard for us, and maybe a very, very few of us maybe even are ever able to measure up to it, or maybe some of us don't even try. I don't, I don't know, but Father, it's, it's, it's hard to understand until we allow ourselves by the work of your Spirit in our hearts to realize what you're talking about is your love for the church and that being the example that we're to follow, that being something that we can see with what goes on and how you love the church and gave yourself for her and, and died for her and, and in doing so you called her unto yourself and made her your own and, and in doing so the church finds itself lovingly and adoringly and willingly and excitedly wanting to do the work of Christ, wanting to be a part of all that you are in the world in which we live because you've loved us so much that we can't help but want to serve you and love you and, and honor you in all that we do together. Father, help us to, to understand and not look at this passage and not look at life from the world's viewpoint because they're so distorted and have no clue what's right. Help us to see what you see and how you see it and understand it the way you understand it and want it to be given to us. So don't let us hear this as we've heard it over and over and over and over again throughout our lives from a perspective of a worldview and understanding of these terms from the world's viewpoint. Father, don't let us look at this through earthly eyes. But let us see it with heavenly eyes and understand with a heavenly heart. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let me be seated. You know, as we think about this passage and all that it has to say to us, the first thing that stands out is that we are to be subject one to the other out of fear for Christ. And the word fear doesn't mean that we're afraid that he's going to uh, give us a spanking or do something to us if we don't do right and what's going on. It's, it's out of reverence. It's out of an attitude of worship in celebration of who Christ is, and in that understanding, in that knowledge of, of Christ, and all that he is, and all that he is, we are to submit one to the other because of that relationship with Jesus Christ and that we have with him. That, that's the basis of everything else that's said in this passage, is out of a respect, out of a reverence, out of a worshipful attitude toward God and Jesus Christ, we are to submit to each other. That's talking about all of us in this room. 
Every one of us are to be willing to be submissive, to work with one another in the things that are going on and being a part of it. And then he goes on to say to that part that, that, we, that people cringe at, and sometimes especially women because of the way it's misinterpreted in things, is that wives should be submissive to their husbands. Now, there's nowhere in Scripture that it says that the husband has the right to be a dictator, to be a boss, to be an overseer of things that are going on. It doesn't, you can't, we won't find that in God's Word. We find it in our world every day. In fact, some of you may practice it, but I'll just tell you right now, you're wrong. There is no way to justify that kind of an attitude and that kind of a relationship that goes on. Because it says your subject, as is the church to Christ. And so we need to understand that. And we need to understand that the word submission is a word that's not about uh, bowing the knee and, and, and just shuddering under the fear of someone and just saying, yes, 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 I know I got to do this, I got to do this, and I always got to do what's set before me and the things that are before me. It is a word that really means, in the essence of it, respect. Respect. That we sh the wife should respect her husband. And I can tell you, one of the greatest needs in men's lives is respect. Very few of us get what we need, but it's what we need more than we need anything else. Respect. That people, that, that, that looked at in the wife, and, and what that does, it says that we're partners in this together. And that's what God said even in the beginning, you remember, when he took Adam and Eve, and he said they would be one, and they'd be joined to flesh, and they would be one people. And that he took her from the real, not so he would be, she would be subject, slave, under his thumb kind of living, but that she'd be a helpmate. Someone who would walk beside and that together they would be complete and that she would be able to see. See, when the wife respects her husband, it makes life more smooth. It helps things go the way God wants it to be. It gives him the courage to be the man God called him to be. To be the leader, to be the caretaker, to be the breadwinner, to be those things that, that we feel the responsibility as a head of a household. It allows him to do that with, with a sense of, of joy and a peace in his life because he's able to live it out under the understanding that we're in this together. And my wife loves me, she respects me, she lifts me up, she encourages me, she helps me to be all that I can be so that I can be the very best that I can be. And it's done as a result of what the scripture says that the husband loves her in the same way Christ loves the church. Wow, guys, that's a huge responsibility. To love in the same way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died. He gave his life for it. He gave everything that he had. He held nothing back, but he gave everything for the church. And that's what it says in this scripture. It's not man's word. It's not my word. It's not something. Somebody didn't, didn't come in and invent this. God said that we as husbands are to love our wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. That's hard. That's sacrificial. You know, we, that means that we give everything and all that we're going and being a part of it. One writer said this in relationship to the idea of the wife being uh, submissive and the husband doing, you know, the, the ideal wife. He said the ideal wife is any woman who has an ideal husband. Because it's mutual. It's not one or the other. It's not someone being able to play. It's something that we do in, in relationship to one another, in love for one another, and the things that we do, and all the things that we're a part of. As we look and as we understand that, it says, husbands, love your wife, even as you are. 
and you can't get beyond that. How do you, how do you make something more implicit and, and more real than that simple statement? Love in the same manner that I love the church. Jesus had said it earlier even about all of us when he said to us, you are to love one another in the same manner that I have loved you. He doesn't base love upon the principles of the world. He doesn't base love upon the idea and the understanding that we see in movies and that we read in books and that we hear people saying, we don't put love of pie and love of a car and love of a dog and love of this all in the same thing with what God is saying. God is saying that love is a principle that comes out of the very heart of God that is illustrated in the fact that I gave everything that I had to give that you might know that you are loved. I held nothing back. I died for you. And there is that principle that's being talked about here. As we look at it and as we understand what's going on, it's the highest standard that God could put. See, the problem with the home is not so much that we have a hard time living up to the standard, it's that we've thrown the standard out and we don't even know what it really is anymore. God loves us so much and he wants to be a part of those things. He wants us to understand the reality of what's going on. If a husband loves the wife in the way that he's supposed to, he will love her no matter what. No matter what. And she'll love and respect him no matter what. Because they're in this together so to be a part of it. But unfortunately, guys, this sounds more like a lot of us. Here's just a little verse that someone wrote. He wrecked the car. He lost his job. And yet, throughout his life, he took his troubles like a man. He blamed them on his wife. Sometimes we're like that. You know, that's what, you know, that's where we, it started in the garden. Adam, what'd you do? Well, it was that woman you gave me. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been in this mess. And it was your fault, actually, God, because you're the one that created her. I was doing just fine. And Eve, wasn't my fault. It was that old snake that was running around in the garden. He tempted me and he, he, he deceived me. We've done it from the beginning. Who can I blame? Who can I point to? It's their fault and not mine. See, in genuine love and in the family, we love one another. None of us are perfect. Not while we're gathered together in the house of God. Not while we're living out our lives and our families and our things that we're doing. We all make mistakes. We all do things we wish we hadn't have done or don't do things we know we should have done. But when love rules the heart, when love rules the home, the way that God is talking about here, when, when there's that mutual submission to God first, that's where it has to start. If I'm not submitted to the Lord, then I can't be submitted to anybody else in rightness. It's always going to be a burden. It's always going to be a hardship. It starts with my submission to the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is in my life and yielding to him and saying, God, I want what you want. I want to be the kind of man, the kind of woman, the kind of son, the kind of daughter, whatever it is. I want to be that person that you've called me to be, that you've placed in my heart, that you died for, that I might become. I want to be that kind of person. And I want our lives together, our family together, whatever it may be, to honor you, to represent you, to glorify you. I want you to be Lord of all that is. I submit to your leadership. And when I submit to God's leadership, then I'm going to want more than anything else to live according to his purpose, not mine. His plan, not mine. Now that's hard, I, I know that. But he, that's why we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. 
is that we have a strength within us that allows us to do more than what we can do ourselves. That allows us to be more loving than we could ever be without Him. That allows us to be more forgiving and more kind and more patient. That allows us to be willing to offer ourselves in subjection, if that's a word. I don't think it's a good word, but in in being respectful and being willing to join together and say, I I, I submit to your leadership in this. I understand what you're saying. And we've talked about it and we've prayed about it. And I'm not sure I'm completely at peace, but because God has placed that in your heart as the head of our home, I trust you and I believe believe in you and I, be, I will follow you in all that you say and do is, as we've thought about it together, we've prayed about it together and I trust you and will walk with you out of respect and love and together, together we will be the people, the family, the husband and wife that you desire for us to be as we look at it and as we see that, that's what he's talking about. See, it, it's about a sacrificial love that, that see, true sacrificial love gives without restraint, gives without expecting always something to be in return exactly the way that we want it. It gives without regard for the cost. It just gives. But not only sacrificial, but he talked about a sanctifying kind of love. If you listen to the words as I read them, and if you're familiar with them already anyway, that love that comes from the husband to the wife is, is is a sanctifying. It's like Christ sanctifies the church. It means set the church apart to be holy, to be cleansed, to be pure, to be the living body of Christ upon this earth. When the husband loves the wife the way he's supposed to love her, then he's cleansing, he's offering her the opportunity to be all she can be for God. See, my desire, your desire as a husband ought to be that we want our wives to be everything God designed them to be and everything God wants them to be. And when we love them the way we're supposed to, that's what lives in our hearts. That's what's a part of what's going on is that we want the best for them. We want God's best for them. Not my best, God's best. As we look and as we understand. And so it's a sanctifying kind of love that that works in their lives to encourage them to live up to the standard God has for them. That encourages them to be free, to celebrate all that God created them to be. And to rejoice in the living of life that is theirs as they look about it and as they see. And as they understand the care and concern of Christ for the church is always our example. Always. And we need to see that and we need to understand that. And when we find ourselves not living within the context of that idea, when we find ourselves not grasping that reality, then we need to pause and we need to stop and let God remind us again how Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church and how the church responds in obedience, in love, in worship, in adoration, obediently, out of love, out of joy, of being able to be what God wants us to be together in all the things that are going on. I think the scripture teaches it's wrong for a believer to marry a non-believer. I think the scripture teaches it's wrong for a believer to marry a believer that's not within God's will. And you can disagree with me all you want, that's fine. People have all my life and I don't care. The scripture says, see, what Paul's talking about is Christians. Non-Christians can't live up to this. It's not possible. 
And when we get a split home that's not one's Christian and one's not, we can't live up to this. It's not possible. But when the context of a Christian home, when a man and a woman love God and have given themselves to God and worship Him and celebrate Him and want Him more than they want anything else in their life and have said that God is the most important part of my life, the most important part of our life, the most important part of our home, then we can begin to see and find and grow and experience the kind of home God wants all of us to have. One filled with joy. Not, not without problems. That'll never happen on this side of heaven. But with a sense of longing that each other experiences all that God has intended for them. That each one experienced the fullness of life and longing to help each other to experience that. Instead of just sitting back and doing nothing or trying to be demanding or trying to be rebellious or whatever it may be. I have a book in my my office anymore. I have a book at my house that's called The Most Important Place on Earth. It's talking about the Christian home. It's an outstanding book. But it's what the Bible teaches. The home is the most important place on earth. And we talked about this a while back when we were talking about the bride of Christ and some things, but the home is the most important place on earth. If you and I truly could believe that, and understand what God is saying and doing in the lives of His children and what He wants to do, and what an impact it would make in our communities if we who name ourselves as Christians, who say that we have Christ living within us, the Holy Spirit dwelling and controlling our lives, if we could portray portray before a world, before a community, a home that honors God, that glorifies God, that sanctifies God and sets ourselves apart in God and all that's a part of what's going on, what a witness we'd have in our community. What a testimony to those homes that are broken, those homes that have been shattered out of anger and, and out of abuse and all other kinds of things that wreck our homes. If they could see day in and day out, a family that had decided to honor God more than anything else. More important than their jobs. More important than anything else. And actually, according to Scripture, and this is really hard for a lot of us, the husband and the wife were to love each other more than they love anything else in all the world except for God. That includes their children and their grandchildren. And I know it's a lot easier to love our children sometimes than our spouse. And even a whole lot easier to love our grandkids because they get to go away sometimes. But scripturally, the most important person to me in my life on this earth is supposed to be my wife. And vice versa. Scripturally. Now, in reality, does that happen? Not often. 
But that's the standard that God has set. That's the goal that should be our lives. That's what should be out there for us. And it's hard to talk about things like this because I know standing here that I don't measure up very well. And what right do I have then to say something to someone else about being the kind of husband or the kind of family or whatever it may be that should be? But you see, it comes back to what I said in the very beginning. Can't skip over the truth even if it hurts. And this is God's word. This isn't man's opinion. It's not my idea. It's God's word. And we need to listen to it. And we need to plant it in our hearts. And we need to let it become a part of who we are. And I think it probably has to be something that grows and grows and grows all the days of our life. That we don't ever reach that standard where, man, I got it. But it's a growing thing as God continues to work and continues to mold and continues to shape our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about this passage of Scripture and all that it contains, and I know that I haven't even begun to touch the surface of all that's involved in that, but oh, we live in a world that's so torn apart, and it starts in the family. Our families are wrecked all over our nation and all over our world. There's no concept at all of what a real family ought to be and how it ought to be lived out. But it's not because we don't have the directions. It's not because we don't have the help that we need. It's just because most of the time we just choose not to do it. So, Father, I pray this morning that as you speak, to me more specifically probably than anybody and as you speak to all of us would we be willing to listen and would we start with that most important step submission to you putting ourselves in a position of acknowledging your lordship your love your sacrifice on our behalf and just out of love just out of overwhelming joy respond to you the way you want us to respond accepting you as Lord and Savior responding to you in church membership responding to you in, in the ministries that you set before us and whatever but especially this morning as we've talked about husband and wife responding to you in the way that we ought to as a husband and a wife and I know not everybody here is married and you say, well, that doesn't apply to me today, but it does because it starts with that first part, submission to you. And out of that submission one to the other, and then in other, as it moves inwardly into the family and the home and all the other aspects, work, wherever it may be. So as we come to this moment of invitation and it's your invitation and your spirit has been talking to us individually maybe we've all heard one thing and from another and different things because of the need of our own heart but you've spoken to all of us and God I pray that right now during this moment when your Holy Spirit just moves in our lives 
could we just respond by saying yes to whatever you ask us to do. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.